New Year, new theme song. Welcome back to a new year of going back, back, back. As it was last year, it's still Brian Gay here with my co-host, Tom Young. Brian, happy new year to you. Happy new year, buddy. I haven't seen you in a while. Yeah, been a little bit. It sure has. Uh, That's life. It happens. You guys have a happy holiday? Of course. How about yourself? Of course, dude. Love Christmas. Love the new year. Best time of the year. Yeah. Get yourself up and go. Do you have a new year's resolution? I do not. I no, do. me neither. I don't ever. I mean, I want to kind of start like reading books and like sticking to it. Not necessarily like fiction. Oh, like, all right. I did just read Moneyball recently and just finished. Uh, I finished a sci-fi book last night. We will not get into it because it was a, a bit of a trip. But I'm with you. I'm kind of back on the reading game. Yeah, kind of, I mean, I don't know the last time I actually read a book. I think I read a read some of Game of Thrones on a flight to Ireland last year. But sure, I think you'd like. Money. I guess I should say two years now since we're 2024. That was I a know, 2022 right? trip. It messes with you that that first week or two. Yeah, I think you would like Moneyball. It's like kind of it. it it's exactly what one of the things we talk about on this show. It's uh, it's sports history and it's a really cool take on the world of sports, but. I digress. We can talk about uh, our reading habits uh, another day. Yeah, we can talk about that in a month after we each read a book or two, right? Uh, yeah, I got another one at home. It's about um, a di- deeper dive into sports statistics uh, that I have <laughs> have, to have to start at, or baseball statistics specifically and how they came to be. Okay. Because um, I've like always been analytics kinda, and yeah, stuff. The well, that, of the, that portion of the game. Yeah, and how they kind of dove further into like the actual statistical keeping of like OPS and slugging and how those things came to be and how they were determined. I like I'm I like numbers. Um, about that, and as big of a baseball fan as I am, don't really fully grasp the stats that we use to understand the game. So I just thought it would be kind of fun, and it was mentioned as a reference in the book Moneyball. Um, so, you know, I just figured I would check it out. I haven't started it yet, but it's at home. Yeah, those are two books that sound right up my alley. I know you've mentioned to me before off the air here, you have not seen the movie Moneyball. I have. I have not. So I think I could now go back, read the book, see how it compares, and then find out what book you're talking about and pick that up next. I think that there is some stuff in the book, actually quite a bit of stuff in the book that you wouldn't, that wasn't in the movie from what I've heard. I had a weird, I had a discussion with somebody on Reddit the other day about it. I mentioned that there's a whole story about Scott Hatterberg and apparently he doesn't even appear in the, he's in the movie slightly, but they don't really touch on it at all. Uh, I believe Chris Pratt may have played him. But I don't know. I, like I said, I haven't seen it. Read the book. Either way, not that important. Yeah, it's been a while since I've seen the movie, so I definitely have to. I would need a refresher. I definitely want to watch it now. But like, it was an enjoyable book. If you're out there and you like the, uh, maybe you're a fan of the be a GM mode and the uh, different various sporting pl- video games. Like I certainly am. You might find this interesting. Uh, Billy Bean's take on building a team with no money. Uh, pretty fascinating. I do I do plan on reading it. It was a fun fun movie to watch and like see how they were able to compete with the likes of the Yankees who spend all the money in the world. But the oh, especially the, back then. The opposite of it now. I feel like baseball's kind of been a little bit more regulated up until recently with what the Dodgers <laughs> have done in spending and the Mets last off season as well. We're slightly guilty as well here in Philadelphia. I mean, we've thrown some huge contracts at a few guys and uh, We have, but last year was the first year they've gone past the luxury tax. Like they have they hadn't done it before. No, that's fair. Where other teams live above or, the live above the luxury. I tax. should say two years ago <laughs> when they signed Castellanos and Schwarber, but yeah, the, that was the first time they had done it as a franchise. That makes sense. All right, that's fair. I mean, I feel like Otani's contract alone puts any team above the uh, <laughs> above the luxury tax. Yeah, when you get seven hundred million dollars, uh, what is it? The uh, competitive baseball tax, I believe, the CBT, as they put it. Correct. So, uh, Tom, you usually have a fun fact to get us going. Do you have uh, do you have something for us today? I do. Yeah. So. 
Uh, we're going to talk a little NHL to start the, the night here. That would have been a little weird if you didn't, though, because I didn't ask you before. <laughs> yeah, don't worry. I come prepared, Brian. I, you saw you looking at your phone. I figured you had one for us. Yeah, so um, points leaders since 2015-2016 season um, are Tammy Panarin, 712 points. Nathan McKinnon, 716 points. Leon Dreisaitl, 776 points. And his rookie year, Connor McDavid, was 2015-2016. Since then, he has put up 900 points. Yeah. Not surprised. I I like to appreciate greatness. I do. I do too. I'm. I'll forever be a little bit salty about Connor McDavid. Uh, the Bill. The, the Sabers had the worst record in the league going into that year, into that draft. Had the best chance at the number one pick. Conveniently ended up at number two when the Oilers got yet another for, oh, first overall pick yeah, after like two drafts of it and having yeah. like Nugent Hopkins, something and like Nail Yakupov. It was like four and six years, um, I believe, because it was yeah Yakupov, Nugent uh, Hopkins, Nugent Hopkins. Um, Drysaddle was Dry up there, but I don't think he was a number one pick. There was and then two more Sam Gagne was a top pick, but he wasn't. Eberly was up there too. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like there's other ones that I might be missing. Taylor Hall. Taylor Hall is definitely one of them. He was the other one. Yeah. Well, Eichel was fine for us. Obviously, that didn't pan out great, but yeah, still a little salty about that. I mean, Connor McDavid could have wasted away in Buffalo instead of Edmonton. Um, but you know. if it makes you feel any better, Brian, he has not won a championship with the Oilers. No, I know that's what I'm saying. He could he's wasting away in Edmonton. He could have done the same in Buffalo. You know, it's just a uh, it, he's he's so fun to watch though. I mean, he the amount of highlight his highlight tape is just filthy. He's so fast. Yeah, the speed behind with which he can skate is just unreal. And he more or less, I mean, part of the reason why I picked this fact too. They the Oilers played the Philadelphia Flyers last night. Okay. And McDavid just really took it to another level, put up five points, one goal, four assists. Oh, the Oilers scored five goals in the game, so he contributed on every <laughs> single one. They won five to two. It was a – it's one of those moments where it's like you just can't stop him because he's just – he took over the game. There's like – there's a few instances in sports where you're like this person is like just clearly better than everybody else around him. And he and is – Connor McDavid is one of them. He's very much one of them. I think hockey is one where that does kind of – it can show its head a little bit where – because it's – through and through a team game, but there really are moments where guys can just shine in hockey and it moves so quickly that you don't think they can do the things they can do. Um, and he's really, he's one of those that when he's out there and he has the puck on his stick, he's just some, he's so fun to watch. So different. It is. It's, it's next level. Like you think some of the guys you have on your own team, like us for the flyers or Brian for the Sabres are good with their puck handling, their skating and then you just watch Connor McDavid, and it's like you're just mesmerized by it. Because like, he does all of it. Yeah. He's he's arguably one of the fastest guys in the league. His his stick handling is phenomenal. Yeah, top he notch. He can shoot. He can hit any – he can pick up anything he wants, hit any corner he wants, make any shot he wants. And he's a great playmaker, passes the puck with ease. Like, and I, I, you know, it's I like he has, like, multiple sets of eyes on his head. Yeah, and I don't actually watch the Oilers, but I also feel like he's not exactly a defensive liability either. No, he's not. He'll hold his own out there, but even if he was, everything he contributes on offense, it's worth letting him go. Yeah, most negates it. I mean, I'm pretty sure he does get some PK time every once in a while, like, especially if they're down and they want to maybe let McDavid try and pick one off at the top of the top of the blue line there and get on a breakaway. Create some havoc. Yeah, I know Drysaddle definitely gets some PK time, but Hmm. the Oilers as a whole, they just haven't had a good goalie this year. They've really been down because of that they were one of the worst teams in the western conference more or less the nhl to start but they've really righted the ship after firing their coach jay woodcroft uh, they're now sitting at 19 15 and 1 after beating the flyers last night so that puts them in the western conference 
Let's see, that puts them right outside the three spot in the Pacific Division. They are six points behind the LA Kings. But as far as the wild card goes, they would be one point behind the Phoenix Coyotes with one game in hand. So, And then they're four points back of the Predators who have three games in hand. They have three games in hand of the Predators, I should say. Um, so they're right there. I don't doubt that they will get into the playoffs. It just becomes down to whether or not they will be able to do anything once they get into the postseason as teams usually try to load up and just defend McDavid because of the salary cap in the NHL being stagnant the past three years because sure. of COVID. And yeah. there was like players had to, uh, the owners were having the players pay back like an escrow because of like the shutdown and owners potentially losing money. The salary cap didn't move up for the past three years. This offseason it finally will. So teams with higher contracts like the Oilers paying McDavid, Dry Soto haven't really been able to build a full team. Some lesser fourth line guys, even third line because it takes away from it. That's why I think they haven't done anything in the playoffs. We'll see if they can do anything this year. If I had to guess, I would say no, but I guess you can never count out someone like McDavid. Yeah, but it's like, and it kind of goes back to saying, you know, as great as he is, hockey is ultimately a team sport. So one guy is certainly not going to carry the load. Um, so, yeah, they just can't put together. They have not put together the rosters around him that they need to. It's unfortunate. It kind of feels almost like a Mike Trout situation um, in the world of hockey, just, you know, kind of sitting and languishing and, I mean, at least he's in a great market. The Oilers, that's one of the greatest fan bases in hockey. Yeah, I mean, Canadians don't mess around their hockey. (laughs) Who's going to an Angels game now after Otani just left? Oh, God. I mean, I I feel fortunate that I got to see them in Philly when they came, uh, Otani and and Trout. Um, And they both played, which was cool. I didn't expect that. But I think Otani DH'd and then obviously Trout out in center. But... Yeah, either left, left or center. Nothing too, too crazy. But, yeah, hockey is a good one. The Flyers are better than I think anyone kind of initially anticipated. When we went to that early season game against the Sabres, you were kind of saying that it was not going to be the best year for them. And No, I wasn't and anticipating where they're at right now, that's for sure. Um, John yeah. Tortorella definitely has galvanized the team to play together as a unit, change the culture I'm a for tort- the team. I'm a Torts fan, personally. I like it. Yeah, how can you not be? He brings together the locker room. The team definitely plays for him. I mean, Sean Couturier is back. He missed the past two years. He's been their best player probably going on five-plus years at this point. I know Claude Drew and him overlapped a bit. Drew was starting to go to the downside of his career where Couturier was still rising up, getting into his prime. So with Couturier back, I mean, it gives you a stabling, stabilizing force down the middle, gets you a 1C one, one back. Morgan Frost has been in and out of the lineup as your 2C. And then it's like, other guys are just filling in, and Travis Konechny's having a great year on pace for 40-plus goals. Joel Farabee's having a good season. Travis Sanheim had an awful season last year and was uh, in the middle of a lot of trade rumors this offseason. was supposed to be traded to the St. Louis Blues, but Tory Krug invoked said, his no said, trade clause. Said no thanks. And said, I'm not coming to Philly. So Sanheim stayed with the Flyers. Or, I mean, I think if Sanheim is off the team, the team looked would be looking much worse than where they are at right now. But as of the other day, they were in a playoff spot. Let me see where they're at right at this moment. Um, so yeah, they so are currently... So they're sitting at 19, 13, and 5. Yes, so they are the number one wildcard team right now, ahead of the Capitals, Lightning, Devils, Penguins, Red Wings, and the Canadian Sabres, Blue Jackets, Senators round out the bottom half of the Eastern Conference. Now, I'm kind of shocked to right. see the Flyers in front of, especially the Lightning and Devils teams with high high expectations this season um flyers have 37 games played lightning 39 
So that's a good thing to be up two points there. But the Devils are the one team that would give me a concern to come come up and catch the Flyers. I don't expect the Flyers to make the playoffs, honestly. But it does put Danny Breer in quite the predicament. You have a couple guys you could easily trade, Sean Walker and Nick Sealer on defense, maybe even because they're on expiring deals, they're very cheap. Sean Walker's a right-handed defenseman playing great, about 20 minutes a night. He was an afterthought in the trade this offseason with the Kings when they and Blue Jackets when Provorov was sent out. But he's really turned his career around. He had some injuries in L.A., and that's what forced him out of the picture there. But, I mean, from what I've seen rumor-wise, they could probably get a first-round pick for him. And I think if you're going to make the move, you might as well do it. Trade him and Nick Sealer, or you extend Sean Walker, see if you can get someone to take Rasmus or Stalinen off your hands. There's plenty of D prospects who could come up, specifically Emil Andre, who could come up and play this year if Sealer was traded or Mark Stahl could fit into the lineup on a regular basis, but I would also consider trading him just for a fifth or sixth round draft pick up to hit a lottery ticket. He was here for a one-year deal. He knew what he was getting into when he signed, being like a mentor type to the team, to the younger guys. And so with the Flyers, I think the future is all of a sudden very bright. Carter Hart could potentially be dealt if the price is right because Sam Erson is looking just as good as Hart lately in net. So it's a great one-two punch there for the Flyers between the pipes, which is something as all of you Philadelphians who – tune in, know that the Flyers usually don't have his goaltending. I mean, if you go back to the 09-2010 Stanley Cup run out of nowhere, it was like Ray Emery during the regular season, he gets hurt. Then it's Brian Boucher, Michael Layton. They went back and forth because they kept getting hurt. If there was any sort of like stabilizing presence in that net against the Blackhawks that year, I think they would have won the Cup, which would have been the first time since the 1970s. Get that monkey off our back here in Philadelphia. But all in all, I think the Flyers they are in a great spot. They have two first-round picks this year. Would love to see them add a third if they can somehow. And to see where the the um, team goes. I really like where Danny Breer is headed things. Him and Keith Jones, they seem like they have a good path headed for the franchise moving forward. Yeah, well, speaking of getting the monkey off your back, uh, I don't want to hear it because the Buffalo Sabres have been in existence for 54 years now and have made the Stanley Cup once. So that's just life as a Buffalo fan. Um, oh, I'm sorry, we, we didn't all grow up in major metro areas, all right? We got to deal, deal with the cards we're dealt. But actually, I want to backtrack to what you said, teams with high expectations, and we're going to take a left turn into the NFL because, boy, has it been uh, unfolding in ways that I don't think anyone had anticipated across the league. Um, first and foremost, I think the clear front runner for MVP is going to be Lamar Jackson. I didn't. I knew the Ravens always compete. They're always good. I don't think I expected them to be this good, especially watching them throttle the Dolphins. That was quite impressive. Yeah. I, out. I was, you know, I was rooting for the Ravens. The Bills really needed the Ravens to win that game. Um, and I'll, Big we'll get Sunday that night game between the Oh, huge Sunday night game Dolphins. between the Bills and the Dolphins. Winning, uh, you're in, Brian. Oh, dude. Winning, we're in. For, win, mean, not, not even just winning, we're in. Winning, we're the number two seed. Yeah, because you win the division. Lose, and we're anywhere from the sixth seed to, to, out, the playoffs. to out of the playoffs. Well, you'll know because it's a Sunday night game. Yes. Yeah, so, so all the scenarios will be in hand. You know what you yeah. got to do. It's fascinating because, like, the fact that the Bills have made it this to this point is wild because they really looked dead in the water I in the middle of the season. Two months ago, we were talking about how it was over. Yeah, the <laughs> and, Bills, like, what are we doing here? The Eagles, on the other hand, is like, we're flying high. Yeah, then, I mean. But how a two-month swing can just change the fortune in both seasons. Like, <laughs> yeah, the Bills fell flat at a fine time to do so, and they turned it around at the very last second because they were 5-5 five and five and heading to a point where if they lost another game or two, it's over. Um, whereas the Eagles were absolutely cr- crushing it. Yeah, 10-1. and one. 
But I think it was around that same time that the, the flaws in the Eagles are really starting to show their show themselves because Turning the ball over, bad defense. They only got past the Chiefs because Marquez Valdez Scantling dropped that pass in the last second. They got past the Bills on another really close, arguably probably the game of the year in the NFL. That game was absolutely incredible. Yeah, I think we discussed that when we, we sure came did. on the air the next couple days later and if Gabe Davis turns the right way instead of the wrong way yeah. that's a win for the Bills in overtime yeah and it's just there's a you know it's it, all of football is just a whole season of what ifs there's so many things that could have gone wrong like what or could have gone right for teams like what ha- what would have happened if Kadarius Tony's foot wasn't offsides against the Bills and that ridiculous lateral touchdown happened it would have been very fitting for us Bills fans to see that happen I think that was more than a foot yeah no he was, was <laughs> half his body was offsides but it is you know it is what it is, and the way like look at the the lions and uh, lions and cowboys how that unfolded last week. Oh, that was awful. You know, awful officiating, and now for some reason that same officiating crew has a game this week that has playoff implications. Hopefully, not the Bills and Dolphins. Uh, it, they are not the on the Bills and Dolphins, but they do have one of the AFC games that can determine playoff standing. Um, those guys should be uh, if they're. Even on a game, they should be on a game like I believe it. Like the Jets and Patriots may play this week. They do, and both teams are eliminated from the playoffs. Go re- officiate that game. I and know they were removed from any playoff. Yes, playoff games in the future though for this season. Yeah, it's um, you know, you feel for. I love seeing the Lions looking very good. Um, you know, first time in our lifetime. It's literally been thirty years since they won a division title, and it was n- they never won the NFC North because they were not in the NFC North at the time. Um. You know, part of me would have loved to see Stafford and Megatron do it together because that's just such an iconic duo playing there in Detroit. Well, they made the playoffs. They just didn't win the division, right? That's, I believe so. Um, I cannot confirm that, but I do believe so. So, I, But I'd love to see it. You know, there's this weird um, connection between Buffalo, Cleveland, and Detroit being the Lake Erie cities. Um, that, and, and they've all just been pretty crappy teams for the majority of the past few decades. Two of the three are in the playoffs this year. And the uh, hopefully the third sneaks in with a dominating victory over the Dolphins. I don't even care if it's dominating. Just win the freaking game. Yeah, win and you're in. Yeah, win and you're in. Uh, that would be crazy. Now, speaking of another uh, teams heading to the playoffs, but it may be heading the wrong way. It's it's the Eagles, man. They are – that was a pretty embarrassing loss against Arizona. It's okay to lose here and there. Like, yeah, everyone's going to lose a few games. That's, that's pretty embarrassing. Uh, I believe I think I saw that they allowed 32 first downs. That would be correct. In the game, um, that's stunning. I don't think I've ever seen. I don't think I've ever seen that statistic before. That's a lot of firsts. I haven't either. I mean, clearly the defense got torched by Kyler Murray, James Conner, and then a bunch of guys who probably won't be in the NFL in the next year or two. <laughs> like just putting it lightly, Trey yeah. McBride seems like a good tight end. Yeah, well, but it's well, like Greg Dorch. I was saying Greg Dorch. Dorch, Michael Wilson, I think, is the receiver, <laughs> and like one or two other guys that. I, I couldn't tell you. I I just knew Greg Dortch and the (laughs) other guy, Wilson, who's a rookie, I think. But it's like, other than that, they had nothing. James Conner ran all over them. There was something. I heard this clip on WIP here. Driving home from work, Brian Baldinger was on, and he was talking about Jordan Davis. He was saying how Jordan Davis just looks totally out of shape. He's, like, walking on and off the field when he comes into the game. Like, you're a second-year guy. Like, that can't be happening. No. Like, it's one thing if you're hitting the rookie wall like a Jalen Carter. He probably is at this point. But Jordan Davis, like, you're supposed to be this run stopper, this mammoth of a man. Like, we watched him chase down Josh Allen 
in Philadelphia <laughs> when that happened. Like, that was wild yeah. to see that. Yeah. But, like, ever since then, it seemed like his game has just gone totally off the cliff and downhill. Like, it's a, I mean, it's, it's clearly a conditioning issue. Yeah. I that's, mean, he's out of shape. Like, it is what it is. Like, he. Six I mean, six three. Well, he came in the league at like six six three sixty. I know he slimmed down a bit, but still, I mean, he's probably having like Joel Embiid used to do, having Chick Fil A before every game. Like he's got a real Zion Williamson uh, issue. Yeah, going I mean, on. apparently Zion eats anything and everything down there. And and uh, hey, Nola, man, you ever hey. you ever spend any time in Nola? There's a lot of good food. Yeah, I can see gumbo, right. Can see how it'd be easy getting the fat on that food down there. I was down there for work for a few days last year, and boy, did I eat good. Yeah. But I could not do could not do that all the time. No, I mean. Oh, but man. still, like, you're making millions of dollars. Hire sure. a professional chef. Like, get a nutritionist. Dude, you got the best uh, fitness facilities in the world. You you have There's access no to everything. No, there is zero excuse. It just comes down to whether how bad you want it or not. There seems just to be a disconnect of some sort going on here in Philadelphia. And I'm going to be honest. I don't take the light in, like, seeing you guys suffer. I mean, I, I do a little bit. But it's more so I just love hearing everyone melt down and act like it's like the biggest the end of the world. Hey, no, listen, I, I just laugh about it. Like, yeah. yeah, I know. So we've said this before. I'm not the biggest. Yeah, like, sure. Eagles for me are not number one. But that doesn't mean I'm not an Eagles fan. Yeah. Like if I had a choice to go to a World Series game or the Super Bowl, I'm going to a World Series game any oh, day yeah. of the week. Like That's fair. Baseball for me is number one. Hockey has always been number two. Those are two sports I played. Sure. Like, I didn't play football, so hate me, sue me, whatever you want to do. <laughs> I don't care. Please don't sue him. I mean, whatever. I, you don't have anything to sue me for, but it's fine. Now, with that said, the Eagles, I am still a fan of them. Just because I care more about the Phillies and Flyers than the Eagles doesn't mean I don't care about the Eagles. Like, the Eagles, to me, they're in no man's land right now. Like, there's one week left in the regular season. They're not going to figure it out. They've been saying all season long, we got, yeah, we've been winning, but we got to play better. We got to stick to the, to the game plan. We got to. They haven't convincingly won a no, single they, game. They haven't. They beat the Bucks probably pretty easily. The game against the Dolphins, they look good. But besides those two, it's early like, on. Yeah, like nothing has gone really right. I feel like they just lucked into a lot of wins. To me, it didn't seem like they were like the Vikings from last year, where it was a lot of. I guess I am kind of contradicting myself to an extent because it seemed like the Vikings were like coming back from like. Being down, oh yeah, big they had some like, ridiculous wins last year. Now the Eagles, they were down a bit in some games, but it wasn't down like twenty one. And what was it to the Bills, like twenty eight points? The Vikings were down and came back and won or something. Yeah, it was disgusting. And I think they did the same thing against the Colts. Like that is not a recipe for success with winning. Now I know I've talked about how the Eagles kept turning the ball over, kept turning the ball over, and that's not a recipe for s- success either. Sure, and it's finally caught up to them. Now this week against the Cardinals, they didn't turn the ball over as much. I don't remember if they did or not. But they put up 31 points, well, 24 points as an offense because they had to pick six for 99 yards by Sidney Brown. But, like, when you give sure up 35 did. points to the Arizona Cardinals, like, something is wrong. It's the defensive yeah. side of the ball, I believe. Something, yeah, something's up. And I, I don't want to say Nick Sirianni's lost the locker room, but to me, if they go up to New York and lose this weekend and then they're one and done in the postseason. I think Sirianni's got to be Sirianni will be fired. He's got to be, I feel like, at that point. And then... I mean, it does because it really does seem like there's just the team doesn't feel like there's not a good vibe surrounding them. Like they, AJ Brown is, you know, love the guy, but he's making a point of like. Yeah, he didn't talk for the past two weeks until today. And the way he's saying, like, it's not him that he's just not talking. It's the way he's doing it. Oh, if you got nothing better to say, just don't say anything and stuff like that. It's yeah, just like, like. If you're not going to talk, just like don't talk, don't say a word, just let it go. But in my opinion, if you want to step up and be a leader, say something. 
Say something. Call call your team out for not performing because it's not like he's not performing. He's doing his job. He is. I mean, I think part of it too, like he said in his press conference today that if you remember back a couple weeks when they played Seattle Monday night, they were down, I guess, what, two or three with like 30 seconds left and we're starting to drive the ball down the field with like one or two plays yeah. and then Hurts throws the interception. He oh, because he threw like the bomb yeah, into the, the end bomb zone. Yeah, the bomb down to um, – AJ like halfway yeah, down it was AJ. to like the 30 yard line or so and they picked it off. Well, what was going on was AJ said we changed the play on our own and decided to go with that play instead of what was called. Which to me says we don't trust yeah, the coach respect what's going on here. Not necessarily respect they just it. Just don't trust it. Yeah, they don't trust they it. They think or they think they know better. It's one of the two. I think they just don't um trust what the coaching staff is putting together. Like Brian Johnson seemed it seemed like he was doing well, I guess to an extent. The Eagles were winning games, so it was kind of being overlooked. But now it's like it seems like he might be in over his head. But at the end of the day, it's like Nick Sirianni says it's his offense. Like he should step in and like take control of the play calling. Like, how do you quote unquote fire Sean Desai, promote Matt Patricia to defensive <laughs> quote unquote coordinator play because he, they called him. Because Desai wasn't stripped of the title, just Demo- is just now calling the defense. Demoted the from line. a day-to-day. So, like, if you're going to do that with Standpoint. with Desai and promote Patricia, like, Brian Johnson, like, just help out during the week, scheme out plays, and then Nick Sirianni, you call the game. Yeah. While which the game's I, happening. Like, I'd be curious to see that because, like, I think the big thing with Sirianni coming in here was his, his offensive mind is what they liked about him. And, right. That's why he was hired. And, I, I, honestly, I think – Going into this year, the Bills had some turmoil with Leslie Leslie Frazier just announcing he wasn't coming back and was going to go help work somewhere else or be a commentator or something. And then it, the announcement came out that Sean McDermott was going to call the defensive plays. And part of me was just like, oh, crap. Like That's a, such a bad idea. But honestly, the Bills' defense has been pretty freaking good. Right. That's what McDermott's and known for. With with the pieces. And, and they've been really good with – Missing their some of their best pieces. I mean, bringing Rasul Douglas was has proved to be uh, massive. He had a pick six massive. last week, right? Yeah, pick six. Two pick, He's had like four. He's had four, five or six takeaways since he since he's come to the Bills. Um, at the trade deadline, he's just been really phenomenal because we traded away a third and got back him and a fifth round pick. And Brandon Bean, weirdly enough, has hit a lot more in the later rounds than he has in the early rounds. So I don't mind having that extra fifth, and he's been awesome. He's under contract for another year. Oh, just been really cool. McDermott has really seemed to come into his own, in my opinion, as a coach by stepping back into the play calling. Um, I feel I, like it makes you like more one with the game and like more involved with it. Like, yeah, and if you're the head coach, you're not either calling the offensive or de- defensive side of the game. Like, what are you really doing? Yeah, he's made he's made comments about how he's had to take a step back from his other head coaching duties and just kind of like trust his guys to to do their thing. And it seems to be resonating with the team a bit. They also hit that lull in the middle of the season, lost some really ugly, lost some games in really ugly fashion Um, games that they had locked up or should have had in the bag. Um, They're coming around at the right time and it's going to be interesting to see what happens. There's a lot of talent coming through. I think specifically the AFC um, for, fortunately, I guess for the Bills, there's been a lot of injuries at the quarterback position, the most uh, important position in football. Um, so I'm really interested to see what happens. I mean, obviously the Ravens cl- clinched the number one seed. Buffalo or Miami is going to be number two, um, which is <laughs> which is I'm sorry, still so crazy to me. Uh, Kansas City locked in number three, which honestly I would love to get that matchup. They look 
like crap lately, and I'm really thriving on that. They're I, I don't like them much. Um, four is gonna be looks like the Jaguars probably. Wait, is it the Jaguars or is it? I don't know. So we got the AFC South. Nobody really cares about that one. Yes, that that's one of the um, seeds still up for debate. Like the Jaguars, they play the Colts. Oh, there's like a bunch of weird combinations. The Jaguars are playing. Who are they playing? The Titans. Okay. And then the Colts and Texans are playing. Okay, yeah. Yep. So so if the Jaguars win, they're in. Colts and Texans, winner of that game gets in. They'll be the seventh seed. And then the Bills, if they win, they'll be in. Bills winning in at number two. If they lose and both the Jaguars and the Steelers win, the Bills are out um entirely which <laughs> it's just so nuts that it's that tight well so the Steelers uh not, the Steelers are playing the Ravens on Saturday and yeah. the Ravens already announced that Lamar Jackson's not going to play yeah but the, the one seed Steelers aren't very good I, the, they're another one that somehow manages to manages to win games but that Ravens defense I think Yeah they're can, 9 and 7 Yeah I, I don't get it I think that Ravens Mike defense can shut them down um at least I hope they do um on the NFC side I mean you obviously you got the Niners Yep, they're locked in as the one seed. The Cowboys. Um, They'll be the two seed unless they lose and the Eagles win. Which I would think would be great for everybody because that guarantees that they're on the road and the Cowboys are booty cheeks on the road. They, they are sure very are. Very good at home. I don't see them losing to Washington at no. home, though. Yeah, the Bills mollywopped Dallas since last time we talked. They really just dog walked them. That was a lot of fun to watch that happen because we all hate Dallas. Who and doesn't? The Bills really made them. Like, they really just demoralized them. That was really satisfying. I'm not going to lie. I think this kind of goes back to the Eagles, though, saying just like demoralizing them. I think they had their like more or less souls just taken from them after that. that nine, the loss. Niners, dude. The it's Niners. Just like they have not been the same since. I just think that the their confidence was at an all time high going into that game. And then they just got. At least from the outside, it was yeah. at an all time high. Yeah. Whether or not inside it was, like inside the team and like the locker room it was. But like ever since that game, just getting smoked and then they give up just as many points to the Cowboys the following week. It's just been a downhill yeah, I mean, ride ever since. Hopefully you can turn around this week against the Giants. Now here's a fun-looking matchup sure. potentially in the NFC playoff picture. Detroit will host the LA Rams. So Matthew Stafford will be going back to Detroit. That's uh, That could be so interesting. With, cause it goes That'd be bo- a great story. It goes both ways. Stafford back to Detroit and Goff playing against his old team, the team yeah. that took him. Uh, yeah, you can't forget about Goff. He was he was first overall, right? It was him and then Wentz. Correct. Okay, that's what I thought. Team that takes you first overall, and you go back with the the Lions. I love this Lions team. Um, I a think they're fun. a lot. I think they are a lot of fun. They're a high energy, high octane team. A lot of great weapons on offense. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you got Amon Ross, St. Brown, Sam yeah. Laporta, Jamar Gibbs, David Montgomery, Jameson Williams. Yeah, that's some high five. Yeah, and, and Jameson Williams is like the low guy in the totem pole because he's been hurt most of the year and hasn't really fully caught up to speed. That's not a bad place to be in. He also was betting on games. That, so that's got suspended for five games, fair. I think it was. That's pretty crappy. To start the season. It was last year he tore his ACL in the national championship game, I think, or like sure. the game before. So he was out for basically all of the Oh, yeah. Two season. Yep. 2023 suspended for the first six games, got reduced to five. Idiot. And then he's like finally getting more involved with the offense at this point. Yeah, I, totally makes sense. I think they're going to be a lot uh, – a tough out. They're just a scrappy, tough team. I'm looking forward to seeing what the playoffs hold for us. So, um, Tom, anything you want to add on the NFL before we uh, take our, our short little break? No, I'm I'm good. It'll be fun. Not too much of a fun week 18, but then the following week we will be previewing the playoffs oh, and yeah. trying to see what we got and see who can ultimately 
win the Vince Lombardi Trophy. Big time playoff push. My uh, my potential playoff uh, Super Bowl matchup is still alive. Tom, your playoff picks aren't looking as as hot. I mean, I got the Niners winning the Super Bowl, so that's true. But it was over the Chargers, wasn't it? It was. That's fine. Nobody <laughs> cares who they play. It's all about as long as you get the. So we can all right. sit on that for a few minutes. Uh, go ahead, Gary. Bills and who? Oh, uh, Bills, Niners, Bills, Eagles. Uh, One of the two, something like that. Either way, it's still valid. Yeah, unless the Bills lose and uh, the Jaguars and Steelers win Sneaky on Sunday. Sneaky selection, Cleveland Browns. Joe Flacco looks reborn again, <laughs> lighting things up as in a, Cleveland. As a 38 year old man playing for the Cleveland Browns, who would have thought that that would be a Joe Flacco storyline? There would be a, who thought there'd be a Joe Flacco storyline at all, let alone one where he looks like he did as in his prime. Yeah, I mean, if the Browns win um, first round of the playoffs because they're most they're going to be locked in as the five seed. Yeah. They could end up being Joe Flacco oh, in Baltimore to oh, go to the AFC man. Championship game. That would be crazy. Depending now, how the other game shakes out. Obviously, I would not like to see them in the AFC Championship, both of them, because that means the Bills don't make it. <coughs> Excuse me, but if the Bills aren't in there, that'd be a fun one to watch. So maybe we'll see that here uh, in a couple of weeks. I hope not, but if we do... It'll be a good time. And we'll paint that picture once we see it and know where the pieces are falling. We sure will. All right, so go ahead and refill your beverages, uh, get your drinks, go get gas, wherever you might be listening to us. We'll hear a quick word from our sponsors, and we'll be back with you in just a minute. This episode of Going Back, Back, Back is brought to you by Rucci Heating and Cooling, LLC, located in Glen Mills, Pennsylvania. For all of your heating, air conditioning, and plumbing needs, call the professionals today at 484 484- 849-1015. Rucci Heating and Cooling LLC, the one-stop call for your business and or home. Call them again at 484-849-1015. And we're back. Tom, time for some sports history stories. Uh, looks like this week, New Year, we're doing December fir- uh, 31st to January 6th. Yeah, we got a couple great stories here for you guys, so hopefully you all enjoy them. Awesome. I'm going to take the reins on this one this week. I think you, you let us off in our last episode. Sounds right. I got way. some... Uh, Kick us off, Brian. What you got? Not going too far back. I'm taking you back to January 4th, 2015. We're going over, over across the pond to England, uh, where Gary Anderson oh, of Scotland beats... Uh, <laughs> on the January 4th, 2015, Gary Anderson of Scotland beat 16-time world champion Phil Taylor 7-6. to six to win his first PDC World Darts Championship at the Alexandra Palace in London. The Alley Pally, it's the famous home. Uh, famous arena in London um, has been home of the darts for many years. And the reason I bring this up is there's a couple things. First of all, I just love darts. Um, it's If you know me at all, you know I love throwing sharp things. Um, axes, darts, largely, whatever. Yeah, yeah, you know, and anything else. Um, doing it competitively, though, axes and darts. Um, a lot of fun, but it, I find darts to be a lot of fun to watch because of the skill that goes into it, and the crowd just gets really into it. Um, this story is really is pretty cool, though, because Gary Anderson is a big name in the world of darts, but there really isn't one bigger than Phil Taylor. To put into perspective the fact that he was a 16-time world champion, and this was as of 2015, um, there have been 31 world championships as of today. The, final, the world championship this year ended today. There's been 31 world championships, so eight years ago there would have been 23. At that time, uh, Phil Taylor had won 16 of those. Yeah, so he he is he's arguably maybe the most dominant individual athlete. Uh, Quote, unquote, athlete. Yeah, yes. I did actually put it in the document in quotes, athlete, because he is a large man and darts has a penchant for alcohol and uh, not really being athletic. It's more of a – it's a skill event for sure. It's very difficult to do things the way these guys do. 
But the fact that he was as good as he was um, for so long, he retired a few years back, and now there's some fun new, new talent coming up. Uh, him and Gary Anderson had a lot of fun matches. Um, if, you, if you're interested, check out Phil Taylor. and Watch the way he throws a dart, and it's amazing to me that he does it accurately because it doesn't make any sense. Um, I can't say I've ever seen him, but I've seen a lot of like highlight reels over the past couple years. I feel like sure. Due to social media, darts has kind of like taken off more or less. And yeah. Like the atmosphere for what you see like these videos on like <laughs> yeah. on social media. It's is awesome. Wild. It's awesome. So for the darts. So the it's always been a big thing. It's been largely been a big thing. Uh, started in England and kind of has expanded through Europe largely. The US does have some Canada actually has more successful players on the, so the PDC is Professional Darts Corporation. Canada does have more successful um, dartists than the uh, than the United States does. Uh, one of those world champion, one of the thirteen world championships. Uh, actually, there's only twelve world, world champions in those thirty one world championships. One of them is John Part. He's a Canadian fellow, um, great dart thrower. Um, but it does like I want to get to one of these. So they come to the Madison Square Garden every summer, and it's one of their like pro tour stops and i think it'd be a lot of fun to go um it's just really it's really fun um the world like i said the world's dart championship for this year actually just ended today um and a part of the reason i actually picked this because it's a really fun really interesting story because it was a battle of two lukes uh luke humphreys and a young a 16 year old by the name of luke littler you may have seen this has been kind of going viral on social media a bit because he's 16 years old and playing in a world championship and it's not like he snuck his way in, Tom. He dominated his way through this tournament. Um, and, you know, I'm not going to go into the semantics of darts and scoring, but this guy was putting in huge averages on the biggest stage in the game. Uh, he did, Luke uh, Luke Humphreys, the elder Luke, did win. He was He's only in his early to mid-20s as well. Um, super talented. It was uh, apparently a heck, of a heck of a darts match. It'd probably be a great place to start if you're interested in checking it out. A lot of fun. Um I do it at home quite a bit. I got a couple dartboards, and uh, it was fun to get to talk about that here today. Uh, it's uh, a passion of mine that uh, I would like to explore a bit more, uh, but just really cool to see because uh, it's a very accessible game. If you can, you yeah, don't anybody even, can do it. So you don't need to stand. If you, as long as you can have arms and you can throw, go to a local um, bar. Yeah, Delco. Yeah, they're it's more popular out that way. You don't see it as much out here. I actually applied to be a member of the West End Fire Company here in Coatesville. No, not to fight fires. I'm not in shape to do that. Uh, but because they have a bar in the basement that has multiple dart boards and they have multiple darts teams, so I might be uh, joining in for some fun there. And it's about four minutes from my house. Yeah, you can walk there. Shout out to the West End Fire Company in Coatesville, PA, keeping us safe. Uh, but, yeah, so that's the uh, that's my little first fun fact, little tidbit on darts. If you actually, if you want a really fun place to start, look up Michael Smith versus Michael Van Gerwen. Uh, it's 17 perfect darts. It's never fireworks. You it's, you've seen the video, you know exactly what I'm talking about. They're both going for a perfect game. Just go check it out. It is electric. There's very few feelings in sports that I've seen like that place got nuts. Um, it's just cool for the fact that it's just dudes chucking dart pins and boards basically. So yeah, pointy objects at a board. That yeah. Like I got, as you know, like accenting has long kind of long been my first thing. And I'm, I've gotten, I've been very good at that. I find it really boring to watch. I find darts to be absolutely electrifying. I've, well, I can't say I've ever really, really watched axe throwing. You're like not I've, missing a whole lot. I've seen, obviously, clips of darts. I've never sat down and watched like a sure. dart event. But is there any type of crowd at an axe throwing thing like there is for it's, the darts? No, not even close. The people at an axe throwing event, are they the only people throwing? It's a very tight-knit community. It's a very supportive, wonderful, awesome community. And I feel very fortunate to, to be a part of it and to have gotten to 
know a lot of these people over the years, go to tournaments, stuff like that. But it's really like, like they're sure the world, the world championships and stuff are on ESPN, but most of that crowd is friends, family, and the other competitors. Whereas darts, these people, it's an event for yeah, them. They get dressed event. up. They are Sonal ready Marina. to go. It's a, it's a very different spectacle. I don't, I, I, I will say, keep an eye out for when you see World X throwing the World X throwing league on ESPN over the next year or two. They did make some major changes to the targets this year that will make it a little bit more interesting to watch. But still, I think there's just something about darts that the energy, the atmosphere, the crowd, the characters, a lot of personalities in the game. Um, it's a lot of fun. I mean, it's, I mean, you're you're a big bowling guy, so you kind of understand a more of a niche sport that maybe not as many people are into. Where you sit down and watch a watch some bowling, you probably you know there's times where you're sitting there like it's really cool. There's other people like, yeah, I can appreciate it. Yeah, it's just appreciating the. the, So with bowling, they at least have like fans there, like in the yeah. That's where darts is too. Section, but yeah, it's nothing like you'll see for the for a darts event. They sell out a full arena. It's crazy. Bowling might have like hundred. 200 people at most. Yeah. I mean, shout out to the Brits because it's largely, you know, they, they kind of urge with them and or the British Isles as a whole. Um, but it has expanded. Germany hosts a number of the PDC events and they get a great turnout. But also going from England to Germany is going from like here to freaking Maryland. It's not that far. No, uh, not far <laughs> um, So very cool enough. Uh, I digress. I can talk. I weirdly enough could continue to talk about darts, but we won't do that. Tom, what's your story? All right, uh, first story of the night, we're going to go back, back, back to January 2nd, 1966. The Green Bay Packers defeat the Cleveland Browns in what turned out to be a real bar burner of a 23-12 win for the NFL championship. This game was significant on a few levels. First being it was the first televised championship game in NFL history. And second, it was the last NFL championship game before the Super Bowl era began. So a couple of big names you may be familiar with played in this game, Brian. For the Packers, Bart Starr was a quarterback. In sure the championship was. game, he threw 18 total passes. That would be much different than today. That would be quite a boring game if there's only 18 total passes thrown by one team. Josh only threw 16 the other day <laughs> against the Cowboys. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that's true, I guess. That, no, but you're you're not wrong. Usually... Those are an anomaly. Yes, it was very much an anomaly. But there's also some, some bad weather, so it kind of leads to a run game. And sure, of James course. Cook was running up and down the field oh, against the yeah. Cowboys. Oh, yeah. Real nice. So of those 18 passes, he completed 10 of them for 147 yards. He threw one touchdown and had one interception. For the Cleveland Browns, Jim Brown was featured at running back. Yeah, they even named the team after him. That was a nice thing to do. <laughs> he had 50 yards rushing on 12 attempts and also caught three passes for 44 yards. So Green Bay managed 21 first downs compared to eight for the Browns. And as you could imagine with the first down differential between the two, the Packers had 333, 332 total yards in the game, while the Browns only had 161. So at halftime, very close game, 13-12, to 12, the Packers led. Now comes the second half, and the Packers shut out the Browns and escape with a 23-12 to 12 win. Vince Lombardi captures another trophy to add to his collection. And they actually did name that trophy after him in the long run. They sure did. Obviously, guys, Jim Brown is not the Browns are not named after Jim Brown. If you didn't know that, you're listening <laughs> to the wrong podcast. But <laughs> we like to have fun and make jokes around here. But yes, the Lombardi Trophy <laughs> that is serious was named after Vince Lombardi, as was the Vince Lombardi rest stop on the New Jersey Turnpike. As you're getting just outside of New York City, have you ever been through there? I have not. Very weird. Know. It's like a Lambo Field themed. Uh, there's like pictures of Lambo. And it's named after Lombardi, and you're in northern New Jersey. Interesting. I don't think it's actually that far from like East Rutherford. Like it's not far from MetLife. It's uh. Was it maybe one of the times the Packers went and beat the Jets? Like 
early on. I don't know. Who knows? But but uh, the more you know. I saw it there looking for Panda Express, and I was at the wrong station. Yeah, uh, Panda <laughs> Express. <laughs> Must have been desperate times, Brian. Have you never had Panda Express? I have not. It's actually pretty damn good. Like, I kind of understand the hype. But also, I was on a work trip. They were paying for it. And if I got any closer, my per diem would not have counted because uh, I was like, I'm on my way home. So I took advantage of that. Um, hey, free food is for me too, right? Hey, free is for me, that's for sure. All right, January 5th, 1982. Star center, Daryl Sittler for the Toronto Maple Leafs left, uh, left the team on medical advice because of mental depression. Uh, turns out the trade, the trade was just taking too long. He requested a trade because in leading into the 78-79 season, he was having some health issues, and then the Leafs owner fired and then rehired their coach, and then there was all this stuff that just deteriorated the relationship that led to Sittler um, becoming severely depressed to the point of not playing. Now, Daryl Sittler is a big name in Maple Leafs and hockey history, um, had quite a solid number of years. Uh, but going into this season, he actually so he scored 117 points in the 77-78 season, and it was actually a Leafs record until 92-93 when Doug Gilmore surpassed it. Obviously, Austin Matthews, I'm pretty sure, has surpassed that. Maybe not obviously. I might be totally wrong. I don't pay nearly enough attention. What was the number again? I'm sorry. 117. Austin Matthews. Let's take a look. So I have Daryl Sittler's well, well, Tom, hockey reference page up. Um, Daryl Sittler's statistics. So what happened basically with all this was that um, this man, um, Ballard, I don't care to give him credit for his name because it turns out he's kind of a prick, uh, hired a hockey legend by the name of Punch Imlock as GM in July 1979. Um, so Matthews has not. His highest point understand. total is 106. You said 117, right? Yeah, all right. So screw you, Austin Matthews. Yeah, 106. Yeah, screw the Maple Leafs. 60 goals and 46 assists. <laughs> so, uh, so the whole Daryl Sittler issue. So first of all, I bring it to the forefront because I think we – I. Briefly touched on it in the past, but big advocate for men's mental health. A lot of men don't go out there and get the help they need or are not willing to talk about the issues they're dealing with. Um, and I think that we need to do it more and be more open about it. So if you need help, get help. Talk to a friend. We're here to listen. Yeah, reach out. Yeah, definitely reach out. There's lots of resources out there. Seems easy, but sometimes it isn't. Yeah, you never got to do anything alone. There's always somebody there that can talk to you, that can help you. Never you know you're never alone. Um so this really kind of shines some light on that, but it also has some fun implications as well. They brought in Punch Imlock. Uh, Imlock and Ballard both had strained relations with the NHLPA and its executive director, Alan Eagleson, who was actually a player agent as well and represented more than a dozen of the Leafs, including Sittler and his best friend and line mate, Landy McDonald. Uh, Imlock came in believing that Sittler had too much influence on the team and tried to undermine his authority with the players. Never works well. Um, so uh, at one point, Sittler and his... Uh, their goalie, Mike Palmatier, agreed to appear on a TV show called Showdown, and this was actually negotiated by the NHLPA. Punch Imlock went to court uh, to obtain an injunction to stop them. So when Imlock said he was open to offers for Sittler from other teams, uh, Eagleson decided that the, the PA, his rep and the NHLPA rep said it would cost $500,000 to get Sittler to waive the no-trade clause in his contract. So instead of trading Sittler, they traded his best friend. Oh, man, that's right. <laughs> Lanny McDonald traded him to the awful Colorado Rockies. Not the baseball team. There was a hockey team in the 70, late 70s, early 80s uh, called the Rockies. 
So in response, Sittler ripped the captain's C off his sweater, which is crazy. I think it's such an honor to be the captain in sports. But oh, you know, like you, you especially know, hockey. Yeah, but you also, yeah, the captain's C on your sweater is a is a big one. That means something. Um, so he later he ripped the C off his sweater, later commenting that a captain had to be the go between between players and management, and he no longer had any communication with management. The owner Ballard would then go on to uh, liken Sittler's actions to <laughs> the equivalent of burning the Canadian flag. Wow. Yeah, Legend jumped to really jumped uh, at that. So basically, I mean, I can see what he's saying because Toronto is like Toronto. First of all, Maple Leafs like arguably the most storied franchise. I guess you could argue the Montreal Canadiens, but like in Canada, the two biggest hockey teams there. Sure. Oh yeah. Now, I'm not saying it's fair to say taking the seat off your chest is like burning the your national flag, but I can see why he's <laughs> saying that because of the sure. importance of the Toronto and, team and to this Canada. Would, this would have been at a time, oh, I guess the other teams would have been around at that point, but either way, the Maple Leafs are a pretty important team in the, the Canadian sphere. Um, so there's actually the, all this back and forth and stuff went on for like another year or two. And um, Ballard insisted going into the summer after all those events occurred that Sittler would not be back with the Leafs. Uh, but before the start of the season, Sittler and Ballard appeared at a news conference, and they seemed to be all smiles and buddy-buddy to announce that Sittler would be back. Turns out that Punch Imlock was had, was going through some health issues and was hospitalized, wasn't as involved. Um, so he got to work things out with Ballard. But even at that point, with Imlock gone, Sittler's relationship with the Leafs worsened to the point where he told Ballard and acting GM Jerry McNamara, weird, weird, Jerry McNamara with a G, just like the Syracuse basketball I'll superstar. I say Syracuse guard. Um and he, so he shout out Jerry McNamara if you're listening. Oh, dude, love me some G Mac. Shout out to the only man that helped, one of the only champions in my sports fandom, Carmelo Anthony. Jerry yes, McNamara. sir. Oh, Hakeem Warwick. Hakeem Warwick, dude. Craig He's Forth, a guy. Craig Forth, the big center. Uh, yeah, Hakeem Warwick, friend central. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, one of the few Syracuse guys to go on to have a really good career. Basically, um, it. Turned out that Sittler wanted his way out because his mental health had just deteriorated to the point that he couldn't do it. He didn't want to do it anymore. It took weeks at that time. Um, he had a no trade clause. He waived it. Initially waived it saying, hey, I'll go to the Flyers or the North Stars in Minnesota. Come on down to Philly, bud. And then he actually expanded that to add the Islanders and the Sabres. Because at the time, the Sabres and the Flyers were both very good teams. Um, and in the end, he actually did get traded. A, as a 31-year-old, he traded to the Flyers. For Rich Costello and um, oh, a second round pick for the Whalers. So the reason I like to bring that up, like I said earlier, is just the his. It's interesting to see somebody do this, especially all, about 40, 40 plus years ago, advocating for his own mental health. Good um, for him. I feel like you still don't see it enough, and people still do get a lot of flack for it. So I think it's really cool to see that he was willing to put his career on the line to do what was best for him and his mental state. And that's really cool because fortunately he had the power to do so where a lot of us don't. Um, but, you know, I just think it's a, it's cool. I think he should, obviously he's well known within at least his, his fandom and the hockey world for his hockey playing ability. Um, I think he's a great example of, you know, uh, a man taking care of his mental, uh, mental health. And uh, at the end of the day, you got to do what's best for you. Amen. Amen, Tom. So on to, uh, on to your, uh, Last story, I believe. We yeah, last one here that we got. Sure. Uh, we each went with two. So we're going to go back, back, back to January 4th, 2000. Defensive coordinator Bill Belichick, after being the handpicked Ooh. choice by former head coach Bill Parcells, was named head coach of the New York Jets on January 3rd, and he steps down. But on January 3rd, he stepped down. 
Um, sorry, he was named coach on January 3rd, steps down as coach on January 4th. So Par- Parcells and Belichick had come from the Patriots in 1997 and have been with the Jets together since then. So Belichick was quoted to say, I just don't feel I can lead the Jets in the year 2000. I just know what I need to do. I just don't feel I can do it right now. It's not about the future. It's about the situation I am in now. So there was a lot of uncertainty in the Jets organization at this time. Unfortunately, the previous owner, Leon Hess, passed away in May of 1999. Uh, Belichick felt that there was no clear direction the organization was going in and wanted to be able to control his own path. I took Bill's words to heart, thought about it last night. I had a Belichick referencing Parcells, who was, um, and Belichick previously was Cleveland Browns head coach from 1991 to 1995, going 37-45. So he had a rough stint. Yeah, it wasn't the best. Um, so Belichick then said, all I can deal with is a situation I have at hand. And that is what I am doing. It is not about trying to get out of a contract or leveraging a contract for myself. So really, I think Belichick just wanted to create his own path and do his own thing. Kind of like we we're just touching on with Daryl Sittler. He wanted to do his own thing. He did not want to be in Toronto anymore. Sure. He wanted to be elsewhere and he had to do what he had to do. What was best for him. And it seems like Belichick was trying to do the same thing as well, which he certainly did go on to do. He certainly, <laughs> certainly did. He did. has had quite the He's career. won a couple games. Yeah. Um, just happened that Pete Carroll was let go by the Patriots on January 3rd, 2000. So I think that's maybe where the ball started rolling for Belichick. Like, I'd rather be in New England than here in New York. Isn't it also crazy to you, though, that both those guys you mentioned are still head coaches in the NFL today? They are. Both, what, in their 70s, I'm guessing? I know Belichick yeah, definitely is. Pete Carroll like is also. Maybe. Yeah, he's definitely in his 70s. I actually think while you're looking that up, I'm not sure if you had it in your story, but did you know that he wrote, I can't remember if it was his resignation letter or his speech. I think it was just his, because it wasn't really a speech. He got up in front of the press and basically said, I can't, you know, I'm not going to be, I cannot be the coach of the New York Jets or something. And he written it on a napkin. I did not have that here. Yes. That was a, I don't remember if it was, which what it was. I don't think it was his resignation letter. I just think it was his like resignation speech. He wrote it on a napkin and hey, old school. Good for you, Bill. So Pete Carroll, he is seventy two. Just turned seventy two this year, and then Bill Belichick is seventy one. Meanwhile, there was those video. It's funny because they're. I'm sorry. This year, it's it's <laughs> not me up again. Twenty twenty three. He turned seventy two. You're in the grace period, I think, uh, where we also think it's maybe like late twenty twenty three. But yeah, it hasn't fully transitioned in my mind yet. That we're another year ahead. It's interesting though because you put those two side by side, and like Pete Carroll looks. Much Physical better. specimen. There was those videos fl- floating around from him in training camp where he's running scout team quarterback, basically. And like he's like he's uh he was clowning his own guys out there. And uh, man, but Bill Belichick. Yeah. So as we've kind of alluded to, a few weeks later, the Patriots hired Belichick, and he has been head coach of that franchise ever since. He's won what five Super Bowls, three in the two thousand, and then two more in the twenty teens. Is that right, or is it four? More than that, it's five or it's five or six, because it was three, three in a row, right? I st- I started to block him out occasionally when him and Tom Brady won like thirty games and thirty three appearances in Buffalo. Uh, let me see. William Stephen Belichick, he is an eight time Super Bowl, <laughs> eight time Super Bowl champ. Granted, okay, so five is head Patriots. coach. Okay, five is head coach, and then the other were as coordinator. Jeez. So five, okay, five Super Bowls as a Patriots head coach. Only three-time coach of the year in all that time. I mean, I guess you can't give the guy the award every year, right? You got to mix it up a little bit. Yes. Uh, how many How many ones do you say as head coach? How Six, many, right? I, 
How many Super Bowls? Yeah. He has five as head coach based on what I found here on Google. According to his Wikipedia article, he has the most Super Bowls as a head coach and it shows six. Okay, um, cool. Which I'm showing 30, uh, Super Bowl 36, 30, 38, 39. They didn't repeat that. They did. Uh, 49. I don't, I don't, dude, I don't know these Roman numerals. Who am I kidding? Let's go to let's go to his uh, football reference page here. That should be legitimate. Oh yeah. All right, coaching history. It's not going to tell me there. He led the Patriots to 17 AFC East division titles, 13 appearances in the AFC Championship game, and nine Super Bowl appearances with a record six wins. That sounds right because he won three in the 2000s. He beat the Panthers, the Rams, and the Eagles. Yep. And in then the ten, in the tens, and then the tens, he beat the Rams and the Falcons. Falcons, and then he lost to the Eagles. He's lost to the Giants Eagles. twice. I can't think of another Super. Either way, it's a great track record. But like, his legacy has really gone to crap. Yes. <laughs> has really taken a hit the past couple of years. Granted, now before we do get into that, Brian, go ahead. Um, as part of the compensation for Belichick leaving the Jets, I did not know this, and I thought it was interesting. The Patriots sent a first-round pick to New York in the year 2000. They also sent a fourth and seventh rounder in the 2001 draft, while the Jets sent the Patriots a fifth-round pick in 2001 and a seventh rounder in 2002. First-round pick in 2000. That wasn't Keyshawn Johnson, was it? He was 99, I think. No, so I was trying to look this up, and it seemed like that the, the um, Jets ended up trading that pick to the Niners. But they ended up also taking Santana Moss with their own pick that season. Huh. As in the Jets. It's not a bad draft. No, I mean, worst guys to take, right? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely can't be worst guys to take. Um, they had some fun talent back there. So, Brian, this leads me to the question, though, that was going to segue us to our, our topic here. Sure. Will we see year 24 of Belichick in New England, or will there be a new coach on the sidelines in Foxborough for the 2024-2025 <laughs> season? If they're smart, no, we will not see another season of Belichick, but I wonder if the loyalty is just too deep with him and Robert Kraft. I think for the good of the Patriots, which I don't care about at all, I think that they let him go. How you don't like the yeah, Patriots. No, so. I don't, honestly, it's at the point, though, where I don't care about them anymore. Like They were the big ones that we all hated for the longest time. The rivalry is very much Bill's Dolphins at this point. Um, so I don't really care. The Jets are, the Patriots are a bottom dweller. They're actually having the worst season they've had in his, in his tenure since his first season. Um, they're on track to have the lowest amount of wins in his tenure as a Patriots coach. I just think that the issue is when they let Bill Belichick become the GM as well. Because as a coach, he's great. Once he started making GM decisions, that team has gone so has gone south so quickly. GM Belichick is screwing over Coach Belichick. Yes, and I think the thing is the Patriots kind of want to be like the Yankees of the NFL where they do things it's the Patriot way. And, you know, you got to conform or... No beards, no facial hair. Don't show up. Yeah. And, I mean, fortunately, they might not be so strict uh, from a follicular standpoint. Uh, um, they do have their way of doing things. And, like, have you seen the videos that come out of the locker room? Like, there was a video the other day of, like, they w- had won one of their games, and Bailey Zappi came in, and he's, like, high-fiving everybody, and then, like, makes eye contact with Belichick, and he's just kind of, like, I did like, not see that like this, like, real, like, stern look and just gives him, like, a real serious handshake. Doesn't look excited. Doesn't look happy. Like, it's just a very uncomfortable and awkward interaction. I feel like that's not how you want to be with your head coach. No, you got to have fun. You got to live yeah. it up. I think that's what was making Nick Sirianni so great with the Eagles. There's a lot of emotion on the sideline, a lot of, like, 
rah rah, like, hey, we're doing well. But like now it seems like that's wearing off. And with Belichick, it's the complete opposite. It's like we saw with Tom Brady when he left New England to go to Tampa. All of a sudden he was having fun. I actually yeah. like Tom Brady. I can't no, I hate to admit it. Kinda liked Tom Brady after he left New England because he just didn't seem to have that stick up his butt that he did for the twenty years before that. And it like you said, it's probably just like the Belichick, Robert Kraft way of how they want to run things I mean, as the, a Patriots organization. The dude wanted out, and he chose Tampa Bay of all places. Granted, they had some good weapons and stuff. It worked out for yeah, them. They won Evans, a Super Chris Bowl. Chris Godwin, Leonard Fournette, but, great but, defense. <laughs> yeah. Hard to argue. You're right. Not bad. Uh, been a crappy franchise most of the time otherwise, but he went into a pretty sweet situation there. It's amazing what happens when Jameis Winston isn't your quarterback. Hey, man. Jameis Winston Bruce is Arians was a great games. coach, too. Brian, yeah. He, Byron Leftwich is coordinator, and then Todd Bowles is deep. D coordinator. Good team. Is Bruce Arians even in the league anymore? Didn't no, he, he retired, retired and then Todd Bowles took over. That's unfortunate. I, I'm a Bruce Arians guy. He's a Philly guy too. Uh, he's not though. He's actually from York, PA. Well, Pennsylvania. Very di- <laughs> different town. Very different. I mean, different. it's not like I'm saying Philly guy and I'm calling he's from Pittsburgh. Close That's enough. fair. Uh, yeah, you're right. Only two hours away instead of five. That's fair. Um, I'm only saying that just because my wife is from York and I remember... I, I look up, I'm a Wikipedia fiend, and I think that's part of the why my history, uh, you know, my love of interest in history of things started up, which is I look everything up, and I looked him up at one point. He's from, he went to, like, one of the York City high schools. Like, they don't have a lot going for them there. Let them have Bruzarians. And they can have them. I'll, York, he's yours. <laughs> Sorry to all my York listeners out there. Yeah. Uh, didn't all, want to offend anybody. All maybe one. Um, hopefully there's at least two but that's, that's, that's hopefully we're not going backwards here that's fair you're right yeah i um yeah i think belichick if it's for the for the good of the patriots i think he needs to go i don't think we've seen the end of him um but i think that they need to let him go if they keep please keep him around as far as, as far as i'm concerned please keep him around we are at where we have our hands hands full with the dolphins um honestly if the jets get some competent quarterbacking um they probably are going to be a threat as well the Patriots can be bad for a while. They deserve that. Yeah, I mean, after the they've had their twenty-three year run, like yeah, well, I can't say twenty-three. Let's call it nineteen. I'm oh, sorry, only two decades. Yeah, yeah, but sorry. I mean, for Belichick, I feel like he more or less will want to keep coaching. He's twenty-six wins away from time. He's going to coach until he dies. What does all the man knows? Yeah, I mean, go get the record. I don't know if anybody ever passed that. The thing is, he's never gonna. He will not get. He, I'm a firm believer that he will not break the record if he stays in New England. No, he will have to leave elsewhere. He needs to go somewhere that has a team that's ready to roll and doesn't give him GM power. I mean, depending how long Andy Reid wants to coach, he could potentially pass it, but he's still 103 wins away. He's at 244 right now. And how old you know how old he is? He's in his 60s, I want to say. So, I mean, but with Patrick Mahomes, yeah, he's 65. So, ten, with Patrick Mahomes a quarterback, let's just say 10 more 12. years of 10 wins. Yeah. It's doable with Mahomes, but that's a long time. Does he want to coach until he's 75? That's another team I'd love to see fall apart, which they kind of are right now. Yeah, he doesn't have anybody to throw the ball to. What do you expect? Travis is too worried about Taylor. And <laughs> God, that's fun, such a fun story. I can't wait till they break up and she, her new album, like 87, comes out where she's whining about how she had the athlete. No, she doesn't. <laughs> Boo-hoo. Boo-hoo. I, I'd say this, like, knowing that my wife is kind of a Swifty. Um, but, dude, all she she's dated a man of every... Um, profession. I was going to say every kind of man, but I'm pretty sure it's just like 40 white dudes in all different walks of life. Um, now hey, she finally got the athlete. Live your best life, Taylor. Travis Kelsey's a fun one. I like him as a personality. Um, I mean, the Kelsey brothers as a whole are a lot of fun. I just don't like like the attention they're giving it all is stupid. Granted, it's smart on the NFL's part because it's bringing in, at least for now, a whole... Yeah, you're going to get a whole other 
genre of fans that come in because they love Taylor Swift. It's like, well, I'm going to become a Chiefs fan now. Yeah, the Chiefs. I can't imagine how many Travis Kelsey jerseys have been selling. Pretty sure they've skyrocketed his sales. Yeah, which is nuts. I mean, I think she should just date DeAndre Swift, and it's a win-win for everybody. Yeah, I mean, there's probably another Swift in the league too. Go for him, like. Uh, I somebody whatever. <laughs> the first name that popped in my head was yes, uh, DeAndre. Well, uh, well, if you said another Swift was uh, former NBA player Stromile Swift. Oh, Stromile. Uh, <laughs> I don't, don't know anything about the guy, but I remember the name. That's a, that's an easy one. But yeah, I think Bel- we get back to Belichick. I think he needs to go somewhere where the team is built to win now to break that record. He's not gonna. I mean, New England's won four games this year. He needs twenty something. It's gonna take him eight, for, uh, seven, eight years to get where he needs to get if they continue this pace. Granted. Yeah, I mean, hey, maybe they hit it big. I, I don't hope know. they don't. I mean, they're going to have, what, a top five pick, I imagine, this year? Yeah, we'll see. We, I think we're going to see a new quarterback in New England. Yeah, you can't run it back to Mac Jones. Bailey Zappi's clearly not the answer. And uh, You know, so hear just me a out. quick look ahead. Yeah. Well, I'll hear well, you so hear me out real then. quick. We're talking quarterbacks. I'm just going to kind of lay this on the table now. Look out for Russell Wilson. Yeah, if who knows Bill where Bel- he goes. He's Bill- clearly not going to stay in Denver. No, Bill Belichick is still in New England. I say watch out for Russell Wilson because there's something about the two of them that just seems like it might work. Yeah, I mean, they always have good defense in New England, so that's in place already. There's I think some decent from, talent from a, on the offense from a personality. Ramondre Steven, Stevenson, a running back. Yeah, they do have pieces. It's just they don't have a full team, and obviously the quarterback is everything in football. Yep. Um, but I think from a personality perspective and the way that things are run there, the way that Sean Payton likes to yell at people, I don't think Russell Wilson responds to that. No, I don't think Payton's going to last too much longer in Denver no, either. But I think that... Is that the worst, like, trade ever in sports? Uh, I, it's up there. I mean, the Herschel Walker trade is... And the Ricky Williams trades are both up there because those were total boatloads as well. But, yeah, dude, when you really break it down, it was, what, like, three first-round picks? Drew Locke, Noah Fant, Shelby Harris... You you got fleeced. And then, so the, the best part is, I guess depending who you want to say best part is for, the contract extension they signed, which doesn't even kick in yet until next season. <laughs> There's going to be a lot of dead money coming through. Denver. Yeah, I think they're going to have like not, if they cut him, like what they're talking about doing, they'll have about like $90 million in dead cap space. I think we might just see them have to truly tear it down because you're going to have guys like Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy who don't want to stick around. Honestly, I can't name all that many more guys off of that roster. Now, Javante Williams if guy, running back. If like, guys are available, send, let me get Patrick Sertan. Yeah, Sertan would be awesome. Let me get Sertan in my in my, my defensive backfield. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens there, but I weirdly could see Russ and Belichick teaming up. I don't know why. So that's where my money's at, and that's all I yeah, have to I, say about that. That's a good idea. Russell wants some. If he wants to keep playing football instead of just hanging out with Sierra, like, why not? He's going to stick around as long as he can. I would, too. Yeah. Are you kidding me? As long as somebody wants to pay me, I'll be there. That's like, do you ever watch Daniel Tosh? Oh, yeah. There was a skit. I think it was pretty sure it was Tosh. He's like, he was talking about Brett Favre. Brett Favre was like, yeah, he's 40. Somebody wants to pay me $10 million a year to start as quarterback? Sure, I'm in. 45 years old, be a second-string quarterback, getting, you know, Two to five million dollars a year? Sure, I'll sit on the sideline. Yeah, fifty-year-old Brett Favre on the practice squad making like five hundred k. Sign me up, dude. You're still <laughs> playing football for a living. Like, yeah, I that's that's where I'm at with that. Like, as long as somebody is willing to continue to pay me for my my talents, I know at times there are guys that get some flack because 
Like for bas- basketball, for example, there's guys that have ended up over in China or overseas, and they get a little Dwight f- Howard. Yeah, but meanwhile, like they're extending their careers, getting to play a game for a living, and they're making a lot of money doing it over there. Or you could just be Udonis Haslam, sit on the bench for the Miami Heat for like five seasons. What a sham, dude! That man is getting <laughs> his number hung up in the rafters. It hasn't. He's played about 19 minutes in the past decade at this point. Man. I mean, shout out to him. Life. The loyalty is crazy because you don't see that, and I respect the heck out of that. Well, he knows he would have hang it would have had, had to hang it up if he didn't stay there. He's more or less just like a player coach at this point. Yeah, you're paying that man to just sit on the end of the bench and be a coach <laughs> at that point, or like a is he security for your team? He's he's the big dom of the uh, of he, the Miami Heat. He comes in when stuff starts going sideways. Uh, he does that, man. He honestly Haslam doesn't mess around. But. Yeah, I wouldn't want to mess with that guy. Well, I'm curious to see what's going to happen coming up this week in the NFL. Obviously, Sunday night. It's unfortunate because I am going to be spending. Uh, that is my, not unfortunate that it's my wedding anniversary. Yeah, let's take a step back here, Brian. Not unfortunate that it's my wedding anniversary. I'll be celebrating seven years with my beautiful wife. Um, but the fact that I will be in a cabin in the mountains of West Virginia, with no, I, I think I do have Wi-Fi, so I'll be able to pull the game. But I, you know, I'm not sure if I I should put her through that on our anniversary. But yeah, you don't want to get pissed off and ruin a fun time. She loves me, and she'll want to watch she knows yeah, maybe she wants to watch it with you she she knows what's on the line and she's 12 years in my fandom and for a lot of that 12 years they were not very good she's seen my best she's seen my worst Yeah, dark times as a bills fan let me tell you dude even this year when i've been like oh i'm not really into football as much blah 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 you bet your ass i'm sitting down watching these games yeah, you get panic sucked attack right back time. in yeah they always they always pull you back in as long as josh allen is under center in buffalo i'm watching every minute of every game that i can um, so, you know, we're, we'll have a fun day. We'll enjoy ourselves. I'll cook a nice meal, bottle of wine, you know, saucer up a little bit so that we can fire up the game and, uh, hopefully the bills win rubber back, put her to sleep. Oh no, dude, there's, there's <laughs> I, I was say there's no sleeping during a bills game when you're around me, but that's not true. I'm going to throw this back real quick to, I believe this would have been the COVID era. Um, it was the 2020, 2020 season. Um, the Bills played the Ravens in the AFC divisional round. Things weren't looking good. The Ravens are driving down the field, have it in the red zone. And the next thing, all of a sudden, Taron Johnson, the Bills nickel nickelback, picks it off. You see him take off. And it's just like, I still, this might be my greatest moment as a Bills fan. And he just slow-mo. He's moving, he's moving. All of a sudden, you're like, wait, he's got room. He's got blockers that aren't even having anyone to block. Next thing you know, he's in the end zone, and the Bills win the game, and they move on, and Abby was asleep on the couch, and I lost my freaking mind. I absolutely lost it, and I think I might have tried it. It was like a nonverbal lose it, a lot of air punches, and yeah, just, yeah, yeah, one of those, just, ah, yes, kind of deals, but man, she has, she slept through that one, and I, you know. Oh, if you can pull that off, then you should be good. Yeah, uh, I don't know. This feels bigger for some reason, but we'll see what happens. But Yeah, there's a division title on the line. Well, we'll see how it goes next week when we get back together. And I, uh, whether I'm going to be super pumped, kind of pumped, or very disappointed. <laughs> There's not much of a middle ground here. I'll take that six or seven seed, but the two would be sweet. Beating yeah, as long as you get in. Division would be awesome. Anything happen, can happen in the dance, as we all know. Yeah, just get winning, winning you're in. and Ask the Giants in the mid-2010s that took away <laughs> two Super Bowls from the Patriots. That's for sure. Shout out to the Giants. Screw the Patriots. Tom, you got anything to add before we head out here for the evening? There's a lot we can still touch on and talk for another hour. Sure um, is. One thing we did not talk about was the MLB tonight. Not at all. Just to touch on it real quick. At least baseball, at least baseball we ever had an episode was this evening. 
Yamamoto, we were hoping, you know, kind of poking fun at like, what the Dodgers yeah. did and deferred all the money with Otani. Like, Philly should sign Hater, Yamamoto, Snell. Just now like, I hate that, man. Load everybody up to deferral deals. Tongue-in-cheek, kind of joking, but, like, we're serious at the same time. Like, at least sign one of them. And apparently the Phillies made a very serious offer towards Yamamoto, like 12 years, 300-plus million. But, unfortunately, he did sign with the LA Dodgers. Boo. So, they are just loading up their team. Honestly, I don't really know what to expect from the Dodgers season. Otani's not going to pitch. Yamamoto, yes, he is very talented, 25-year-old, coming from Japan. But you never know. Those guys are so hit or miss coming over. If the stuff is going to translate or not. And then Glassnow, who they acquired from the Tampa Bay Rays, like he always gets hurt. Yeah, he stays healthy, though. That's just... If he does, I mean, he goes from one great pitching organization to another. Yeah. Maybe he stays healthy. I mean, they don't have a lot of starting pitching, though. Like, Clayton Kershaw, he's probably out till mid-year. Walker Bueller, he's coming back from his second Tommy John surgery. Um, Dustin May, he had another Tommy John surgery last year. Like, they have a lot of guys, a lot of question marks in that rotation. Sure. So, now, if they go out and trade for Corbin Burns and, like, Willie Adamas and a deal for Milwaukee, like, okay, then I'm going to be... Very worried about what the Dodgers are going to do this year. 125 games, set all sorts of records, and win a World Series. Yeah, that's probably what will happen. But until then, let's see what happens in the postseason. They got swept by the Diamondbacks. Sure did. In the 2023 playoffs. Well, Not entirely concerned about it. The Braves, they just traded for Chris Sale, another guy who always gets hurt recently sure did. in his career. And gave up a decent prospect to yeah, do Yeah, so. like he was good. I think that was the one contract that they probably regretted handing out eight years, like six. Sure, yeah, it had definitely not panned out. The way they did the same thing hand. with like Michael Harris, Ozzy Albies, Ronald Acuna. Sure, but that was the one that just was not going well for them. And then Orlando Arcia also took over at shortstop. Albies was healthy, so they didn't really need Grissom. He was expendable. We'll see what sure. happens. We can go on and talk more baseball offseason all we want, but I think we are wrapping up towards the end of our show tonight, Brian. Yeah, but with the Dodgers, real quick is. I saw, and I'll, I'll see if I can find it and throw it up on our Instagram. There was a real funny meme that I saw today. It was like, it was like the Dodgers going one sixty two and zero, and the Phillies. And it was just a picture of like Bryce Harper staring at the camera from the dugout. <laughs> uh, and it was like at, at the, the ninety wood Phillies. And I'll have to share that. See if I can find it because man, they still do find a way. The Dodgers kind of remind me of the Cowboys. They're a heck of a regular season team and just don't know how to win in the postseason. That's good with me. That's a okay with me. Uh, you know, I think it's. Like, like we said last time, I, I think it's bad for baseball. I like to see more parody, and I like to see guys playing for different teams. I would have loved to see Shohei in Toronto, um, Yoshi literally anywhere but freaking L.A. or New York. Um, you know, it is what it is. We'll see what happens when baseball comes around. I'm sure we can touch on that more as we get to our uh, spring spring training preview. Six weeks we away get, from yeah. pitchers and catchers, Brian. Well, yes, I was going to say, I saw it was like they, somebody called it the MLB Equinox where we were the same distance away from – Last game of the World Series and pitchers and catchers reporting. So we're right, we're right there. We're getting into it. Um, baseball season really doesn't ever end. I'll leave a little fun tidbit. There are rumors now that Blake Snell is looking for a short-term contract with um, some opt-out, some clauses. opt-out clauses and some incentives, which makes him, in my opinion, a lot more appealing to us here in Philadelphia. So I'll be curious to see if anything uh, changes on that front by the time we get back next week. I doubt it. I don't think so. I think he's gonna. Hold which on. I think will benefit the Phillies as well is him not signing right away. Like the no, longer it goes into the offseason and closer to spring training, the more it benefits someone like the Phillies able to like swoop in and sign him as we get closer to and the start of pitchers and catchers. The nice thing is realistically we don't need him. I'm pretty I'm fine with the rotation we have now. Of course I'd love to have him, but we're all right. I would rather sign the guy from Japan and think it's like 
Imagato. I did name. see that. Yeah. I'm probably butchering it so bad, but like the only drawback with signing someone like Blake Snell or Jordan Montgomery is the fact that you have to give up a second round pick and a fifth round pick because they are the luxury tax. Oh, it's luxury tax. And then they would also have to go 10 spots back in the first round. Their first round pick would be 10 spots further back. I'd probably give that up for, I might, I would probably consider that for Snell. I would do that. And then I would trade Taiwan Walker this way. You're like kind of like Especially over the third. Luxury tax. Oh, yeah, because he's, he's, if you go over that third luxury tax, you might as well just keep spending and like sign sure. somebody else too. Like, well, Taiwan, at that point, what's it matter? Taiwan's like at, sitting like sixteen, seventeen million a year or something. Like yeah, that. it was it's, a four-year, seventy-two million-dollar deal last offseason. Which I mean, he's had his moments, but definitely hasn't panned out. But that's another topic for another day. Tom, you got something for us as we get out of here this evening? Yeah, make sure you follow us on social media at Going Back Pod. You can find us on Twitter if you want to call it X. Feel free. I'm calling it Twitter. <laughs> Still Twitter.com. So. Facebook. Yeah, whatever. It's Twitter. Uh, it's always going to be Twitter to me. Maybe that's at going back pod. Maybe that'll be my New Year's resolution: getting more content up on our Instagram, generate some more, uh, some more traffic for us. But uh, for those of you that are checking us out each week, we really do appreciate you checking us out. Hit us up on at going back pod on all your socials. Uh, we do love to hear from you, and we'd love some. Uh, I know a few of you have sent me some good, fun story suggestions. I'll make sure to shout you out as we get down uh, through the year and get there. Uh, that means you, Dad. My dad does send me quite a few stories from time to time. Love that. It's just uh, it's fitting him in. I mean, he's he's the one who's he's largely responsible for my love of baseball, and uh, I can we can maybe we'll do a fun Father's Day episode. Yeah, that'd uh, be cool. Get both our dads on. Need a couple <laughs> mics, but we'll see what we can do. See if I can get my dad to, to make the trip because he sure as heck won't be able to figure out. Or how we can figure out virtual podcasting and yeah, we'll make see. it work. Yeah, we'll see about that one. Well, uh, you can call him. We got the Roadcaster <laughs> Pro. Get him on the line. All right, they're just talking to the phone. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, thank you again for checking us out. Uh, yeah. Check us out on socials, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Now, Brian, you're going to be away this weekend in West Virginia. I am. I don't know if it's going to be snowing down there, but it's supposed Sunday to snow Sunday is up, supposed to, apparently. Snow yeah, up yeah. this way. So here's just a friendly reminder for everybody. Do not eat the yellow snow. Or do. See you next week. Peace. <laughs>